Heidi, if you've never been with us, I figured it up. This is the 12th year we've done this. 12th year we've done this. If you've never been with us, the format for tonight is this. I do a very small teaching, quick teaching on just thankfulness, on Thanksgiving. And then what happens is I hand it over to Rich. And Rich then does an MC event where you get to share your testimonies, which we'll get to that in a little bit. And then Rich hands it over to Renee, who gets to lead you in communion tonight. So that's kind of the plan here. And so I just want to do a little bit on Thanksgiving to kind of let you know what we're the, setting the tone with. You have to know from my perspective, first off, how much I absolutely love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the year. And at the Irvin House, we celebrate this. We will start November 1st, and we have a November 1st party at our house. And so we are so excited about November 1st. And so November 1st, we have a party celebrating that it's November, and we're getting ready for the Thanksgiving season. And we go out and we set up a Thanksgiving tree. And what we do is we go get a tree, we actually take it, and we set it up in our house. We decorate it with orange lights. And every day for devotions, we have a little tag that we fill out, what we're thankful for as we go through devotions. And we've been doing this, I think our our first year we did this was back in like 2012. So we have years of where the boys go through, what are they thankful for, what I'm thankful for. And every day we do this, because we just absolutely love Thanksgiving. And I just love it because this is a holiday that has not been... Uh, warped yet by the world. It, it, it hasn't. You know, if we come to Christmas, we're setting aside a day to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's been taken over by the world. Um, we're supposed to have a resurrection Sunday in the spring. That's been taken over by the world. The world has a hard time taking over Thanksgiving. And that's what I maybe love about the pure simplicity of this holiday, is we just get to stop and say, Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful. We don't have the, the pressure of gifts We don't have to worry about anything like that. We can just literally get together and hopefully be thankful for what the Lord has done. But this is what makes the event so hard. It's hard for us to be thankful. Luke 17, if you will, please. It's hard for us to be thankful. Take a look here at verse 11. Quick little story. You guys already know the story from Luke 17. Now it happened as he went, meaning he, meaning Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, I don't want to take numbers like this and make percentages out of them. But this is probably pretty true. About 10% of the time, we're thankful. The Lord does amazing things. And there's probably about 10% of the time we really stop and realize what the Lord has done. I, I don't know if you guys read Greg Laurie's daily devotional. But if you do, you read it this morning. I just want to share what he shared about this. He did the verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What a great verse. And everything give thanks. This is what he says. Just a couple quick sentences. A hospital chaplain kept a record of 2,000 patients. He had known who were apparently in a dying condition and had showed signs of repentance. He reported that of those who were restored to health, only two showed what he felt were marked changes in their spiritual lives after the recovery. 
Think about that. So this hospital chaplain kept track of this. He had about 2,000 patients that were in a dying condition that were showing signs of repentance. I've seen that. You know, you're laying on the hospital bed. You think the end is coming and you want to get right with God. You want to be right with the Lord. And then miraculously you get better. And this chaplain is saying of those 2,000, he only saw two that really seemed to carry it out for the rest of their lives. In other words, when people thought they were dying, they wanted God's help. But once they had recovered, they forgot about him. They continued to live the way they wanted to live. Far too often we ask God for help, but when he gives it, we don't offer him any thanks in return. Boy, there's a truth to that. Truth to that. Keep your hand here in Luke 17. Go with me real quick to Luke, uh, excuse me, Leviticus 13. Leviticus 13. Just a couple quick points about this. To understand leprosy. If you had leprosy in Bible times... There was no hope for you. As far as we can tell in the Old Testament, there was only one person miraculously healed of leprosy, and that was Naaman. Now, there was other people that had temporary leprosy, maybe Miriam, if you remember correctly, Moses' sister. But if we're talking someone who actually had leprosy, and leprosy is an awful, awful skin disease. It's a very generic term for anything. I, if you want your call, you can go home tonight and Google images of it, but just be forewarned on what you're going to see. It's an awful skin disease that did not have a cure. So you would go through this very long ordeal if you were in the Old Testament times where if you thought that you had leprosy, you'd have to go to the priest, you'd have to be examined, you'd be put in quarantine for seven days, and you'd come back and be examined again. And if it was found that you did have leprosy, they'd have to go to your house and literally start scraping off the house of the areas where maybe you have been around. The equivalent for us today would be, hey, that's his bedroom. Go take the drywall off and put new drywall up. So they would take the stones apart, scrape them to get rid of any leprosy. If they couldn't get rid of it all, the house had to be torn down. It was an awful thing. To really just sum it up, take a look here at Leviticus uh, 13. Start with me in verse 43. It says, Then the priest shall examine it. This is the sore, the leprosy sore. And if indeed the swelling of the sore is reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, as the appearance of leprosy on the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean, his sores on his head. Now the leper in whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare. He shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. Verse 46, he shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, there's no cure, for the rest of his life, he shall be unclean. He is unclean and shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be on the outside of the camp. You are now ostracized for the rest of your life. The Jews took this and even added stuff to it. They started saying things like this. You couldn't even get within six feet of them. Couldn't even get near them. One rabbi even suggested if you saw a man with leprosy, start throwing stones at him to make sure that he kept a distance. If you were downwind and you were a leper, you couldn't stand there because the, the fear of that coming down towards people. So you had to go to a different direction. They weren't allowed to wash. They weren't allowed to clean themselves. They weren't allowed to do anything. Because they were considered that unclean. This is a death sentence, if you will. Death sentence. So you're now outside the camp. If you're a man, you will never see your wife. And if you do see her, it's going to be from a distance. You will not be able to ever touch your kids. You will never be around other people. The only other people you'd be allowed to be around are other lepers. And so if you showed up at this leper colony outside the camp, and you were just at the beginning stages of the disease, you just had one small spot, guess what you would see at that camp? You'd see dozens of other people in various stages and you'd be looking at your death coming towards you. 
Because that's where you're going to live the rest of your life. Now, what's interesting about this is the Bible gives details on what happens when you're cleansed from leprosy. But there's no way to be cleansed from leprosy. So what happens is the Bible now goes into details. And if you want to read it, you can. It's Leviticus 14. It goes through this long detail then of now when you get healed from your leprosy, this is what you're supposed to do. And the first thing you're supposed to do is go show yourself to the priest. So now jump back to Luke 17. That's why Jesus, in verse 14, go show yourselves to the priests. Now what's the priest supposed to think? These ten lepers showed up. They're healed. The priest would stop and say, that's not possible. That's the whole point. Who did this? This guy named Jesus. That's the whole point. Is that it was supposed to be so utterly miraculous that there's no explanation but God. Now, if we had time, it'd be great to get into some of these passages. When were they healed? They were healed when they walked in faith. There's some neat little points in here. But one guy comes back to give thanks. This, this, this guy that has not been around, his wife, his kids, his friends, his family, wouldn't the first thing you want to do is to go get rid of those clothes, get cleaned up, go see? No, first thing he wants to do is come back, fall down on his face, and give thanks to God. And Jesus takes note of that and says, only you came back to give glory to God. And the hustle bustle of this world, it is so quick, we're so quick, to ask God for so many things. We just taught on prayer Sunday. Santa Claus prayer request list. Genie in the bottle prayer request list. Tonight's the night where we get to stop and just say, Lord, no, I just want to give thanks. I'm just going to stop what I'm doing and just give thanks for what God is doing in my life. So when I see this leper that came back and how his life was completely, utterly changed from yelling unclean, unclean to now being around people, he came back to give thanks. And that's what we want to do. If you look at us, we're not that much different than lepers, folks. We're unclean, unclean, unworthy to be in the presence of God. But yet, through His grace and His mercy, through His salvation, we're able to come back and be cleansed. One of the things I tell the boys when we're filling out our thankfulness list, if you, have never, if you can't think of something to be thankful for, you always can be thankful for salvation. And I've used that line a lot when I'm talking to people. They'll call me up. Their marriage is falling apart. Their life is falling apart. They're battling discouragement, depression, etc., and they have nothing to be thankful for. They wish they were dead. I say, wait a second. You have salvation. Christ died on the cross for your sins. That's the one thing that we always can stop and say, I am thankful for that. So with that quick little teaching to set the tone of let's go back to the feet of Jesus and let's give him thanks tonight. I got one last passage I want to share with you. Proverbs eighteen twenty one, please. If you could turn there with me. This is our verse that sets the tone now for your time of testimony with Rich. Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If you've been with me before on a Wednesday evening for Thanksgiving, you know the rules. Here are the rules. Richard's going to go around with the mic, and if he's going to come right to you, and you can share a testimony of what the Lord has done, which you're thankful for. There's a couple catches. You can't say anything bad. You can't. This is not where you start out saying, I want to give God thanks because I've had the worst year that anybody could ever imagine. And let me tell you about how bad my year has been. No, you're just going to give God thanks. Yeah, but it only really counts if you know how bad it's been. No, the Lord knows your heart. 
You're giving thanks. We don't need to know how bad it's been. We're just thankful you're giving thanks. Because take a look at verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Why would we want to start speaking words of death? Let's speak words of life tonight. The Lord is good and does good. In all things, God works for the good. His definition of good may be different than your definition of good. But I want you to speak words of life tonight. I want you to stop and say, Lord, I'm thankful. Maybe you had something that happened way back in February. And at that moment, you thought, you know, if I could just have a moment to declare this from the mountaintop. Tonight's your moment to declare it from the mountaintop. And maybe you don't need to even go into details. Maybe you just want to step up and say, Lord, I am just thankful for how you watched over me this year. He knows the details, you know the details, but you just want to publicly praise that. So I encourage you to do this. I encourage you, if the Lord lays it on your heart, to stop and say, I'm thankful. And so Richard's going to do this. He's going to go around. Now, once again, power of life is in the tongue. Let's not do the power of death. Richard has my permission to shut you up if you start going downhill a path. Dustin will mute you so quick. (laughs) Now, we want to finish with time of communion tonight. So I'm going to give Richard a hand signal probably around quarter till, ten till, to start wrapping it up so that way we can get the rest of the kids in here and we can finish with communion for about the last ten minutes or so. So, Richard, if you want to come on up for about the next 20 minutes, I encourage you. Do you have something the Lord's laid on your heart that you want to share, that you want to give thanks for? Tonight's the night to do it, and you will be blessed. The power of the tongue is life. So, Richard.